When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is the Tripe Supper a World Cup special with myself, Dom Shaw, Anthony Vickers, Phil Talentay and Chris Garbett and we're all here kitted out in our new red Hummel kit. Skin tight. Class, aren't they? Absolutely excellent, yeah, just how I like them. Um, I like the, uh, the the design, it's nice and clean cut. Um, I love the band. I'm, I'm, I'm pre- some of the previous designs where the sort of band goes across the chest but then fades down the side. It's or, clean, you know, isn't it's it? It's just a nice, yeah. Um, I think the black sponsor looks good against it. Um, chevrons on the arms, you know, like we spoke about in the office today. The sort of the way that they've, they've marketed it with the, the flashback to, to '86, I think it looks very similar to to that kit. Um, and from what I've read, a huge hit with the fans as well. I think yeah, it was yeah I think I think you mentioned it there. The kind of you know the the, the white band, obviously that we know about. But then with the Catlin Kane lyrics as well, so um, it just smacks to me of, of they've got it yeah. this, this year. I mean, there was a feeling, wasn't there, particularly with Iria, and uh, and I think the same with Adidas, that Borough were kind of getting whatever was left over in... Sometimes felt as though Borough were getting what was left over in the warehouse. Um, some of the Borough designs under Iria, we've discussed this before, but they looked as though they had absolutely no relation to, to what Borough were about. Uh, funny enough, the first Iria design did, didn't it? Do you remember the... Um, the, the, the black and blue? The, well, the red, the red kit that looked a bit like Man United's. Uh, Robson's first full season. Yes, yeah, yeah. It yeah. didn't have it um, didn't it have the transporter. In one of the kits had the transporter embossed in, 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 in the the, the, the print. So the Dickens you, shirt. One yeah, so they put they, they did originally put a bit of thought into it, but then there was a feeling like you just got you know you kind of the latest you know idea from somebody at the bottom of the office. But I think this is class. <laughs> I think the lyrics, Joe Hamill's lyrics. You know, it's I mean if if, if and when Teesside breaks away from the rest of Britain. And we, you know it already performs well in the Commonwealth Games, as we know. It's, it's, a, it's a separate nation. Um, that's the anthem, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a nice touch. And uh, you know we sometimes criticise Middlesbrough for not always getting these things right, but I think there's no doubt about it. Um, the, the kit itself, I like it. I'm not the only, the only slight caveat for me is the colour, but that's a minor thing. I'm not. I can take or leave the away kit. I don't think it's any great shakes, but I think the home kit is just class. Well, I'm not a fashionista, so I don't care about stitching and whether it's done on a. Uh, artisans uh, loom. I don't care about the collar, the cuffs. I mean, but I do think it's important that we have the white band. I think the white band is a really distinctive, unique uh, branding, uh, and uh, I think it's stamped into the psyche of Borough fans throughout the generations. And you can say all you like about, oh, well, historically we've probably had more red kits than we have in the band, and that that's true. But in recent generations. Uh, I think the white band is associated very, very closely with with periods of great success, starting with Chartland's Champions. We've worn the white band at Wembley, we've been promoted in the white band, the white band at Eindhoven. Uh, and, you know, if we look back through all the cuttings of, of our high points as, as, as Borough fans, that's what the team are wearing. And I think it's, a, it's an iconic, very simple image that's stamped into into our minds, but also it's recognised throughout the world that that is you know that is a borough thing. If you go abroad wearing a borough kit with a white band on, you get 
you uh, get spotted immediately. And if you're in Turkey, you get like free beer and coffee because yeah. <laughs> they recognise that in a slightly different way. Uh, it, it's it, it's very very distinctive, and that feeds into the history yeah. and culture of the club. Uh, and I think it's it's always nice when manufacturers are sympathetic to that because over the years it's they've fannied about with it and they've tried swirls and that slopey one in the Premier League was absolutely horrible oh, I uh, thought was it you saying you quite liked that last week uh, the, 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 the band the, um, the Peru style band in no no the, the, the cummerbund that slipped yeah, down on the, yeah. the Premier League yeah. like, it, it was awful I mean, uh, it's a simple device that the likes of you know Celtic and Newcastle wouldn't mess around with their stripes uh, you know, Arsenal don't mess around with their, their their white sleeves. These are really distinctive things which feed into our culture, and it's important to to nurture that. Uh, we said we'd talk World Cup, Gareth Southgate, which we which we teed up last week when we did our tripe. Um, he leads England into the World Cup in Russia on Monday night in the first game. Phil, you worked closely with, with Southgate when he was in charge of Borough. Mm. Did Did you ever think at that point that he'd go on and become England manager? No, I didn't, to be perfectly honest. Um, I wasn't sure whether he would ever manage again, and I don't think he probably thought he was going to manage again. Um, it wasn't an unmitigated disaster. He was clear. I think Mido says that he was rushed into the job, and he, Gareth Southgate said the same thing. It, it came too soon for him. I think the biggest difficulty he had, the two biggest difficulties were obviously the, the transition from being a mate of the players to being their manager uh, overnight is very difficult for a lot of people and I think he found that tough, suddenly dropping your best mates from the team and secondly I think he found the workload difficult, you know, a professional footballer has whatever, whatever they may argue um, in terms of hours at work, pretty comfortable existence. You know, they're, home, they're at home for two o'clock or whatever it is. You know, they, they rock up at the training ground at half nine, ten, train for a couple of hours, have the dinners and go home. And five days a week, that's pretty much their life when they haven't got a midweek game. The pressures are completely different, of course. But, but in terms of the. Now, I think Gareth, like a lot of people, probably, you know, went from those hours to working pretty much 24 7. And I think it took its toll. He was a young manager finding his way. The club were going through a little bit of a little bit of a transition as well, from being the big spending team under Steve McLaren to slightly tightening the belts. And uh, they made some bad signings at the time and spent a lot of money on the wrong players and, and 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 got rid of some good players in my view. I think he also struggled to deal with the young players, funny enough, which he doesn't seem to be doing now with England. I think he felt some of the younger players in the academy maybe had a bit of a chip on the shoulder, maybe felt they deserved too much too soon. And he didn't, I didn't feel as though he necessarily dealt with that particularly well. What I would say is he's is a brilliant guy, a, big, a deep thinker. He was fantastic to deal with. He understood the media had a job to do. He never picked fault with anything we wrote. And I think, by and large, we were supportive anyway. But I think there, was, there were signs in that relegation season that it kind of it was too much for him, you know... It, we tried to encourage him to sort of almost you know, build each game up into a cup final because it seemed Borough would just sleepwalking their way to the championship and I think that was proven that became a fact they went down with a whimper didn't they it was a little bit I guess unlucky about the manner of his sacking because Borough were a point or two away from the top team in the division and whichever way you stack it up that, that, that's you know you, if you've one win away from being top of the table that's pretty good but I think as you know you lads will Touch on, I'm sure. It felt like he'd lost the crowd. That you know, he didn't have the crowd anymore. There was that five 0 home hammering by West Brom that really pretty much did for him. And so, 
I don't think his, his time as manager was an unmitigated disaster, but I think I've also always said Borough as a club have to get the manager right. You know, clubs of the, of the size of Middlesbrough, West Brom, Swansea, all those clubs we describe as middling clubs have to get the manager right. Otherwise, what the one bad season away from the drop, and that's what happened. In, in some ways, he was unlucky in when he took over the job because uh, after Eindhoven, that was a high watermark for the club. Uh, the expectations were were massive. And it was a time when Borough had spent two years in Europe. They just won the first uh, trophy. Uh, the profile has never been higher, and the expectations were that Borough were going to get a manager to take the club onto the next level. Uh, and in fact, things were happening behind the scenes that perhaps he wasn't prepared for. It was a time when the the, the, the club actually lost money in the, their European ca- uh, campaigns, uh, and they'd spent really heavily on putting together a team to win. Uh, and a lot of those players were, had reached their, their, their prime and a lot of them left for, no, for next to, to no money and Southgate came into a job as a rookie uh, against a background of the club was, was cutting costs, uh, tightening the belt and the, the hierarchy of the club were, were taking an increasing role in, in terms of recruitment and, and how transfers were done I don't know how much say he actually had in a lot of the lot of the, the major transfers in that first couple of years when he was getting to grips with, with the job. So I think the circumstances weren't great for a new manager coming in. And I think having not pushed on from what was a very, very high, uh, high watermark, I think he was always going to be on a hiding to nothing. Gabs, how, how do you... Remember Southgate as, as a Borough fan? Do you remember him as the player or the manager? Um, well, I mean, both periods of, of Southgate's time here as a player and manager are you know, etched into our memories. Um, as, a, as a captain, he was he was as close to Captain Fantastic to Mowbray as we could get. Uh, I think he led he led the team unbelievably. He lifted our first ever trophy, and um, you know there's some superb captains throughout the years that have been unable to do that. Uh, you think that, you know the likes of Mowbray's and your Bones and Gordon Jones and so on and so forth um, so yeah absolutely fabulous uh, captain uh, as a player one thing I will say before I get on to, to his managerial period is um, I've been I think he's come through the FA come, sort of come through the ranks and learned their ways and I was a little bit worried that he was just going to be sort of put in, in with his role as a yes man you know so, somebody that's not going to ruffle any feathers and so on and so forth but I think he's I think he, it's, it's commendable the way that he's actually gone about the job um, I think he's like Phil said he's handled the young players tremendously well um, I think that the public face of England is, 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 is getting better mm. um, there's a certain disconnect over the last I would say 10 years um, between the Joe public and, and the England team and I think he's trying to bridge that gap he's doing a good job of it um, Borough manager I mean obviously it was his first job rookie I, we don't know the mitigating circumstances behind behind closed doors and, and what was going on you know like, like Vic mentioned there there was a business transition period that we'll never know about really but there's no getting away from the fact that he took a, a club who just won a trophy and played in the European Cup final to relegation at the Championship within three years uh, that's etched on his, on, on his record and you know, like you said maybe some, some of it wasn't his doing um, I think it needs to be stressed as well Chris that, you know, that the Borough team that reached the final at Eindhoven battled relegation that season yeah. it was a pretty desperate league campaign if you remember there was the, there was the sorry not the summer match the, the Villa game at home stands out as a real Nadia that, yeah. that, that was a team 
that was a team that wasn't firing all cylinders for probably the best part of 12 months. A good cup team, but a poor league team. And I think yeah. there was a degree of arrogance within the club at the point. I remember somebody asking somebody high up in the club towards Christmas if Borough, you know, were a little bit worried about you know, how close we were at relegation. And I think the answer was, well, we still think we can get into Europe. Uh, but the reality was the results were pretty desperate. I remember the home defeat to Wigan in the new year. Um, I think a lot of that, though, was... was, was you know... <laughs> We haven't got the depth in 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 in, in, in squad and in money and being able to sort of leave quality players on the bench to be able to handle the run of the FA Cup semi final and the European Cup final in one season alongside maintaining a seventh position in the Premier League. I mean, you know, we're talking about Burry who've never experienced things like that before. You know, constantly getting to cup finals and and, and, and European finals and so on and so forth. So, um, the league standing obviously did take a little bit of a hit for that. I think there's a reason for that. Um, like I said, go, you know. Maybe it was it was the wrong decision from from Gibson. I don't well, think they did want a senior fit. manager, didn't they? Yeah, they wanted want Martin O'Neill. I don't think they nearly got Martin O'Neill. Would he have benefited from someone in not a director of football as such, but a more experienced head of I don't think that I don't think Southgate was Gibson's first choice by any means, um, and maybe Southgate sort of you know watched Borough lose out on on. on First choice and second choice and third choice, and, and almost felt a little bit of a responsibility to step up and, and, and manage it when he was asked to. I think that's a really, I think that's a really important point you make, there, Don, because um, Southgate went in and the rest of the structure pretty much stayed the same. Now there was, you know, there were issues around that. Steve Round, Steve Round left the club kind of the, towards Christmas of that year, two thousand and six, because there was a. There was a, clearly there was no connection between the two. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Gareth's. Backroom team as such, it was you know he inherited Steve McLaren's backroom team. Yeah. Some big, it, it was, there was sold some, as a boot yeah, room. There was some yeah. big, there was some big characters in there, and I don't think he was necessarily comfortable with people like Paul Barron. And um, uh, he obviously he, he mentioned in an interview recently that he was very grateful to people like Malcolm Crosby for their support. It struck you know what I'd never understood was when 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 Steve Round went, who what was a very very experienced coach, a good coach, and as that you've seen that since he's left Middlesbrough, that left a big gap for me. And the, and the, and the, and you know Gareth brought in I think it was Colin Cooper as kind of his lieutenant. Yeah. Now I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why a rookie manager would have a rookie kind of a court, sort of a, a, a shoulder to lean on. That that for me was a, a point where Middlesbrough should have gone out. And I always describe it as the kind of the Jim Smith kind of character, the the the, the hardened old manager who was maybe happy to be. Uh, a sort of a, a guiding hand, mm. you know, a, a, an uncle figure who would be able to say, you know, keep the eyes and ears out in the dressing room because Burr had some big mm. characters in that dressing room. People like Hugo Echo, mm. Mark Schwartz, Mark Viduka, um, Jimmy, Jimmy you know, some Mate, big like his mates. His well, mates, they, yeah, they were they were they weren't just young kids to be moulded. They were men in their own right. So <coughs> like, like for Venables, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 said, I, I just basically someone to help this this very young man yeah. do a very difficult job at a difficult time. And I go back to, again, go back to the point. That um, you know, it was both a great job to get in terms of you know not many people have as their first job uh, a club that's just been into a European final, but it was also an aging squad. Borough's policy of recruiting these yeah. players at the tail, as Vic touched on, good players at the tail end of the career. Um, it'd been going on since Robson's day with people like Gary Palliser and Colin Cooper. You know, good players who yes. could have yeah can affect the team, but there's no resale on them. And Borough rarely, Burra, I mean, I think about it for the best part of a decade, Borough barely made a transfer fee on their player that was at the end of his career, yeah. um, and that all that debt accrued 
as Vic says again, through the good times to the point where I think there was something like over fifty million pounds a sort of shortfall by the time two thousand and six came around, and the club had to. Well, start there was one summer where twenty four million pounds worth of talent left the club. Yeah, without I think coming the, back the, in. That, that was in a period of time though when when you know the, the success that was going on throughout the previous years that maybe Borough were in a financial position in the landscape of football in that time to be able mm. to do that. I mean, obviously it caught up in the end, didn't it? Because well, it did when they went down. When, yeah, exactly. When they still the best players. You know, it, it, we're talking about when, when Steve Gibson was, was playing in a, a millionaire's playground. Like it's now a billionaire's playground, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, the landscape of football was different. Yeah. Then. It, and, it, 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 it was different, but also uh, playing that kind of landscape, it, it's, a, it's a job for an experienced, wily bloke. And playing the transfer market and dealing with agents, it, it's, it's a minefield. Mm. And if you've just stepping up and you're learning the ropes with the most basic things, you know, in the office, having to man-manage people. And also, you've got this financial snake pit as well around you. It's got to be almost... It's the, it's the, it's the definition of being thrown into the deep yeah, end. It's what it is. I, think, I think it should also be pointed out, you know, I'll defend Gareth in some respects. I'll also make the point that he was able to go out, obviously with Steve Gibson and Keith Lamb's help, he went out and get Jonathan Woodgate... A top top player now. I know he had his injury problems, but Jonathan Woodgate in his first few matches, first what year with Borough was out of this world, wasn't he? It was outstanding. He was able to get Robert Huth. He was able to break the club transfer record. Now you could say it was wasted money, but to sign Afonso Alves, um, Borough signed Mido for six million quid. Now I'm not saying they were the right people to sign, but Borough did spend some big money around that time as well. So it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And I don't think anybody is trying to position that time as mm-hmm. um, you know the the club were. You know, basically bankrupt and weren't spending a penny. Well, well, is he though? Because he recently described keeping Borough up in those first two seasons as, as a miracle. Yeah, I think I think that's him rewriting history a little bit. I mean, I think he's guilty. He's guilty of looking at the final position and, and facts. He, he, he will probably feel that that the first, especially the first year, uh, he was handed a whole series of problems that were completely fresh to mm. him, and he didn't know how to deal with it. So to finish mid-table. Yeah. And get to the FA Cup quarter final yeah. was a good season. Historically, if you look at all Borough's history, that is a good season. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think the, the point I'll make is, and I think he's using it. Borough did finish in 12th and 13th position, or whatever it was, those two seasons. Those both, but both of those seasons, Borough were under threat of relegation for at least three quarters of those campaigns, possibly later. Now, where you finish is the important thing, of course it is. But I think the suggestion that Borough were comfortably mid-table right through those two seasons is mm. is just not accurate. I mean, they were right down towards the bottom three in in the first two seasons, and similarly in the third season. But the difference was in the third season, the team had no real backbone, no spine, and 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 the second half was a bit like Borough's season under Itor. The mm. second half of the season was a complete write-off. So Vic, Vic touched on it there. The, the FA Cup quarter final. Um, Three seasons running, wasn't it? Yeah, the the, the Cardiff game yeah. should have been. Uh, it, it opened up for Borough that year, didn't it? <coughs> year what an opportunity between, it was! Yeah, it was, the year Portsmouth won the FA Cup, didn't it? Yeah. I think, were Cardiff were in the final. Ca- was it Cardiff, Portsmouth, Barnsley, yeah. Barnsley, and that, that's a generation defining heartbreak. Yeah. That. Well, unfortunately, that that sort of etched into his. You know, when you, when you talk about to a lot of Borough fans now in in, in living memory. Low ebbs of their of their mm. borough, borough careers, if you like, borough, borough supporting careers. That's one of the all time lowest. Oh, it's the, it's people say it, that that is one of the yeah. lowest points. It's one of the flattest. Which is yeah. It was a Wembley semi. I mean, I don't know whether that is because of the you know the opportunity that, that, that was ahead of us, 
But getting beat in a quarter final of an FA Cup, really, as a fan, it shouldn't be like the lowest point of your supporting career. The thing is, I recall though, was it was it was Borussia playing on the Sunday? Yes. And on the Saturday, all the results, the draw opened up for Borussia, and you just thought suddenly, this is ours. This is ours. I know. I've just, I mean, a slight aside, but just one of the best football quotes I've ever heard was Ali Brownlee about three. Do you remember Borussia went to Aston Villa a few days after the Cardiff match? And got a very good one-all draw, actually, funny enough. I think Luke Young might have scored for Borough. Um, anyway, I was talking to Ali at the press, press conference, that obviously, the, on the Tuesday, I think it was the Monday or the Tuesday after the Cardiff match, and I just said as a side, you know, well, Ali, have you, have you got over, you know, the Cardiff match yet? He says, got over the Cardiff match? I haven't still got over Orient in 1978. And as we moved away from the... From the Cardiff match, you look back and think, what an opportunity. Oh. That was. I mean, I, I, I stacked that one. I stacked that one in the same bracket as West Ham in the FA Cup semi-final because Borough were 90 minutes from another a third European campaign. Yeah. Not, not, and, and obviously the FA Cup final itself, which, which would have been amazing. But Borough should have beaten West Ham. There was a bang average West Ham team who'd been beaten up here a few Hands days earlier. But so that was a, but, but the Cardiff game, that was, a, that was a moderate Cardiff team. Borough were a Premier League, established Premier League team. The draw opened up. Borough were at home, full house. All they had to do was turn up, and they didn't. I mean, the all about Harewood. I'm sure I've said before. Um, Rich Manier, who who's a Sunderland right for the Sunderland Echo, he's a, a Pools fan, and he, one of his stag dudes was at Hartlepool uh, in the box and what have you at Victoria Park, and it was when Marlon Harewood was at Pools, and. Um, he came in to meet and greet afterwards and I said to him, I don't think I can look you in the eye, Marlon, yeah. after that FA Cup semi-final. Just go back to the point, you know, in how, how, how remembered that will be in Southgate's tenure here is you, you look at Heskey's last-minute equaliser at Wembley, the replay should have beaten again, Claridge scored, um, Di Matteo, 47 seconds, all these low points where you just think, oh my, and, and that sticks in the mind of Borough fans yeah. more than the, them. I mean, the, the interesting thing about... about Southgate is, although he was a defender, he, he tried to build an attacking enterprise. He's doing something. He? He, you know, the, the phrase he used was Arsenal light. And it was, te- he brought in a lot of technical players. But the problem was that they lacked steel, which is ironic because that's the one thing that he had on the pitch. He was a mm. leader by example, but he, you know, he, he was a tough bloke. And people say, oh, you were too nice. You don't get to where, where he is in the game by being nice. Uh, yet that team was. Empty. It was. It was well, brittle. Well, and whenever there was a, a, a pressure moment, they cracked. Well, that's what it goes. Goes back to when I when I when I think he struggled a little bit with some of the younger players at Borough. He couldn't. Ha- I think he struggled to handle Lee Catamall. Now, obviously, Lee's gone on to have a long career, and you could criticise his disciplinary record. But he's exactly the kind of player that Borough lacked in that two thousand and eight nine season. Somebody who could get about the midfield. Make some pretty decent tackles. It was such a soft touch at the. I mean, the mm. midfield at times was it Julio Arki? Sometimes was it Matthew? Did he hit the guard? I mean, the guard. You know, Morrison's but he also struggled. He also struggled to keep. He let Morrison go again. I was yeah. just not say that. He, he um, said that that was one of his. I mean, the two, the two turning points for me in that relegation season. The first one was Bolton at home when Borough were doing well. Had done re- reasonably well in the autumn, and they had Bolton at home who was struggling. I think at the time. And just didn't turn up, and it was you felt there was an, a belief within the Borough team that all I had to do was turn up, and they lost that game heavily at home, and that instigated a run. I, they barely picked up a point for the next few months, and then the other game that springs out, which everyone could see was a huge six point. It was Blackburn at home, the nil nil, yeah, the nil nil again. In, I think it was the January, early January, when Sam Allardyce had gone to Blackburn, and he saw it as a huge match, 
and you kind of think right okay Bury, you need to win a game now you desperately need to win a game against a team what you'd call nowadays a direct rival and he seemed and I afterwards seemed, he seemed happy to hold them to a draw and you yeah. kind of think well if you can't beat a team below you or around you at home you're not going to go you're not going to stay up oh, that raises two points first is that the, the, the defining moment of that season was West Brom away when they lost to uh, <coughs> side with Rock Bottom after the game Gareth was a broken man and me and Eric looked at him and he could barely complete a sentence he was ashen faced and we, we were convinced in the car on the way home that he was going to resign over the weekend uh, the second point that you touched on there is about the, this strange reluctance by the club to recognise that they were in a relegation battle and that they needed to do something and we we, we, we did that keep the faith campaign yeah. last 10 games 10 cup finals and the club would not uh, support We got it. some T-shirts printed up. We took them down to the, the training ground. And we managed to get some pictures of some of the players wearing them. But, Gareth, we, we, wanted the, we, we suggested, you know, wear them when you're warming up before one of the matches. And Gareth said no, because it gives the impression that there's a crisis. Well, frankly, there was a crisis. And we, we were saying you have to build these games up as, as must-win games. I think it's know, all... And get the crowd fired up. And he was saying, oh, no, we, we, don't want, we don't want to put them under pressure. I think it's also worth saying that as a policy, as a newspaper, which we were more than a website, site at the time obviously in 2008-9 we would have had discussions around January February as to what our editorial position might be you know a lot of newspapers would have gone after the manager in those circumstances but it looked like they were going to go down they hadn't won for weeks and we took the decision as a, a you know the editor took the decision should I say um, that we were going to stick behind the club we had the keep the faith campaign that Vic's talking about and and and, and it quite, took quite a lot of stick from a lot of people for not being more critical. And I think, obviously, we criticised the performances, but we, we, our backing was behind the manager and behind the club. And rightly or wrongly, that's what we did. And I think sometimes it's forgotten 10 years down the line that that was the editorial policy we took. You know, we're always seen kind of for the nasty things in life. But at times, we have, you know, we've never gone after a manager, have we? When Borough struggled, we didn't go, you know, despite what people might think, we never demanded I talk Karanka sack him, we didn't demand anybody else Lenny, Lenny Lawrence is sacking I don't think back in the day so so I think it's interesting when you look back with the benefit of hindsight how that all panned out is, is, is exit Garbs is sacking do you recall whether you were surprised by that I was because we'd just beaten Derby um, we were second behind Newcastle we were top I think um, a couple of weeks before I just had a pretty convincing win away at Sheffield Wednesday I mean, he lost, he lost he, that was class was that the Friday night yeah Johnson yeah. got two didn't yeah. he I think I mean that that again, you know, the, the players that we lost <coughs> early on in that season. Huth and Johnson left within. Tunchai went. Tunchai. Johnson stayed, didn't he? Johnson until stayed the, yeah. until January. Yeah, he went, yeah. went in the the, in the window. window. Yeah, but you know, his the, you know, it would have been interesting to see would Borough have got up mm. had we kept all of them players that season, and that's that's a you know pie in the sky we're never going to know. Um, so yeah, I was I was surprised at his, his exit, but. Um, he sort of learned, his, learned, he learned back to front really, Gareth, didn't he, with Borough? He sort of like got a job that you would never expect a rookie manager to, to get. And then I think, you know, moving on to, 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 to where, he, where he went from Borough, I think it's quite admirable to, to be able to take that on the chin, sort of soak up the, you know, the disappointment of, of what his first job has done, go away, learn, learn the basics of the role and, 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 and sort of cut his teeth with England youth. Did a cracking job with, with the England under-21s. Um, and, now, and now he's he's obviously in charge of the national team, and you know if you speak to a lot of people now, it, it, it's England look look the most exciting they've looked in the last ten fifteen years for me. I like the squad he's assembled. I think he's are there, you know, are there other performances been that exciting? I think I think the I think the, squ- I think the squad you know, exciting. 
Absolutely. Um, no, I was, the performance has been that exciting. I, th- I think you can definitely look at the, the the way that he's got them playing and, and the DNA that he's trying to ins- in, in, you know install in, in, the, in the minds of the players that go out and express yourself. I mean, when you watch Rashford for Man United and you watch him for England, he's a completely different player. He looks free for England. He looks like he's not going to get a you know he's not going to get a bollock off the gaffer if he does something wrong. If he tries a trick, if he has a long range shot, um, and I think that's what he's trying to you know. Give to all the players. Do you, I, do you think, that, I was going to. I was going to say about you know Southgate weren't as well. Do you think after what happened with Allardyce, um, and I, I don't mean this in, in a disrespectful manner, do you think he was appointed because he was seen as somewhat of a, of a safe option? I think, exactly, I think that's exactly why he was appointed. I don't think he would have got the job in any of the circumstances. I agree with everything Chris has just said there about in terms of the freedom he's trying to give the players and the responsibility he wants them to take and the way they behave and the, I like that press conference he had where he had all the players and the Brilliant, media, no, media yeah. I thought that was a he's, he's, done so, he's done so many good things but ultimately whether you like it or not the, the, you know, the proof of the pudding's in the eating and it's about sorry, England's results in this World Cup and if, if they do well which I really hope they do I'm an England fan I want them to win every match and I want them, win, them to win the match as well um, I'll, I'll be the first to say brilliant, but I don't. I'm not. It's been in charge. I've, I've seen they've done okay. I don't. I don't think they've been fantastic. I think they were. It. You know. It's. He's. He's kind of growing into the job. I feel. Uh, I think he's done the right thing to back the younger players. But you know, as as I say, there's not been there's not really been a performance where I've gone. Well, England well, now that, that you're well, a team. I think that's because yeah. of the nature of the yeah, level well, where yeah, England but, are. But, but, I, I do think. He's probably uh, he probably got the job mainly because there were no other obvious credible credible candidates. Uh, certainly no English candidates. But on the other hand, I can see the logic of developing uh, a style throughout the national team uh, and having a progression not just of players but of coaches. And in this country, we dismiss it because there's the strange culture where you have to go out and get the best club manager and expect them to, to transfer it to the to a, a national team. But Germany did, have done that, and uh, the last Spanish that. manager came through through the 21s, the 23s. Mm. They've come up with that group. They've learned they've learned the the DNA is, is the, the buzzword, the DNA of of how a team plays, and there's a, there's a logic to it. I mean, look at England. England youth football is completely dominating world football, isn't it? At the minute, I mean, literally yeah. from seventeen upwards, it's an exciting European time. And, and world champions at pretty much every level. Um, I think it, well, it, well, England have gone down the route, haven't they? Of, of, of paying managers six million pound a year, and I don't quite buy the idea that it didn't work because the only England I've seen in World Cup quarterfinals were under the period of. Sven Goran Eriksson, you know, England did get to the last eight of tournaments, which is something that they've rarely ever done, uh, except for Euro '96 and obviously back in Bobby Robson's day. Um, in it, so, so the suggestion that it didn't work, I think, is slightly uh, disingenuous because England were penalty shootouts away from semi major well, semi finals. Yeah, the, the, you know, so the, but but they've obviously realised that you know you can't just keep throwing money at big name foreign mm. managers and. And, and I think, I think they have, you know, almost by default gone gone the different way that Vic says. And I think there's there's probably mileage in it. You know, people will be saying that. You know, if Gareth Southgate can get the England manager's job after doing with well with the under twenty ones, the logical conclusion to that is that Eddie Boothroyd can be his successor. Now, right, people will shake their heads at that, but isn't that, you know, the process? Surely that's the process. You know, people are going to say, well, Eddie Boothroyd, you. He had a season here and a season there, and he never really did it. Well, I think I think what's more important is um, 
not so much the manager's progression through through them levels is the players to do, doing it together. Um, I think the mentality of the, the of the country going into this tournament is, you know, the, what's the average age of the squad's twenty four. There's only four of them in the in the twenty three that have played at a World Cup before. So the you know I think they, they have played with, at tournaments with Southgate. At, yeah, of course, yeah. But you know what you're looking at now is I, mean, I think there's not I wouldn't say the word is pessimistic, but there's an acceptance across the country at the minute that England are going with a raw squad, a, ta- a very talented squad. They play together. Um, in four years, they're going to have had another four years together as a squad and going forward. Um, and, and you know, maybe, I don't think anyone's expecting England to win the World Cup, but I think people are excited to watch this young squad go and, and, and see what they can do. I they? think what we are expecting is to England to go deep into tournaments. I think, I think, I think we should expect that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. Has been the past is that. Um, we've either expected or certain sections of the press and the, the fan base have thought well England have a divine right to win a World Cup therefore they should win it and then now we've got the opposite side of that where we're lucky if we get past the, fir- th- fast, past the mm-hmm. first round I think logically England a strong football nation historically and at the moment you'd have to say in terms of talent as you said doing well at you know uh, relevant um, at a respective level, it should be going deep beyond, you know, certainly quarterfinals, and then it's and then it's cup football, knockout football. But I think there's, a, I think there's every chance. England, I mean, the fact that England, England's recent performances at major tournaments has been nothing short of a national disgrace. Just, just back to Southgate. He's clearly got a very strong character. You think back to Euro '96 and the and the, and the penalty miss, and then obviously what happened at Middlesbrough. Um, he's done well to bounce back from both, hasn't he, and got himself in the position he's in now. Do you see, and I know it's impossible because you don't know how his time with, it, uh, with England is going to end, whether it's going to end on a high or whether it's going to end in, in a kind of Rod Hodgson-esque, I don't know why I'm here, press conference after a shambolic exit in a, in a major competition. Do you see him ever going back into club football or do you think he's the type that once he leaves England he'd perhaps go up and have, a, you know, have an office role within the... Or the next Trevor Brookett. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's a, that's a good question, and it's something that we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, I hope that Southgate's tenure, um, World Cup winners or not, goes beyond this tournament. I really do. Um, I think that this... even if say they went out in the group. Yeah, I don't see how he could. He could. I, mean, he could, I, I read that this morning. Somebody said, no matter what happens in Russia, Southgate must. Uh, stay with the England. I, can't, I, can't, I mean, can't, I don't for one minute think you can't, you can't give a national team manager of a nation like England a free pass at a World Cup in a group that they're in. You know, simply it's simply unacceptable for England not to get through that group. And the idea that you know you've got to stick with Gareth because he says nice things and has done quite well with young players. I, I don't, I, for one thing, I don't think he'd get away with it because I think the the the, the, the national media will be down on him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, you're always one one bad result you know, against Iceland <clears throat> away from the press and the public turning. You? you know, I, th- I think the idea, but I think if Burra keeps saying Burra, if England can get through the knockouts mm. and, and possibly get to a quarter final, and then if they go out to one of, one of the potential winners, a Germany, a Brazil, whatever, then I think people will probably say. The signs of progress. You know, we we like what the way you're going with this. We like the kind of way you're developing the players, the ideas, and the you know the the principles you you're putting into the squad. But the idea that they could yeah. you know, whip, you know go out go out with the first rap hurdle again, and for him just to say, well, fine, I don't, don't see how so that what, can what happen. What I think is important with England, um, and you go back four years ago to the previous World Cup, and then also um, <coughs> France uh, European Championship two years ago. It wasn't so much. 
I think it was the, the it was the manner of it, wasn't it? And, and of course it was. The, the complete and utter disconnect between the fans and, and, and the players of the country and the hierarchy of the FA. But we say so that. Well, I mean, I remember I remember the pictures of Hodgson where the players were out, you know, mixing with all the locals in that village they were staying in in the European I, Championship. I, I, don't think I don't think there's any doubt that there's, that, that there's, there's never it, it was a huge huge disconnect between between FA England to, you know, Club England whatever you want to call it and the nation the, the disharmony and, and, and the, you know, people have completely lost interest whereas I think that people are starting to regain that and I, you know, like, like Phil said they haven't really bowled anybody over with mind blowing performances but I think it's the way that World England you know the FA whatever you want to call them is is, is building relationships with the country that getting the, getting the, getting the nation proud again to, to, to back the team and you know and want them to do well because you know, after Iceland, people were like sort of thinking, "Well, that's, that's it." And like, I'm, I'm not, never going to watch an England game again. To just finish on Southgate, it seems to me that at times his, his time in charge of Middlesbrough is almost forgotten. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it was, he operated in the shadow of Eindhoven. Uh, it was always going to be difficult raising yourself emotionally after that, and it's you know, and it came to an abrupt end and. It kind of he opened the door to what is a very dark, lean seven years. So I think he'll always be seen in that context as as the bloke that got you know that got them relegated after the after a golden era. Sorry, I meant I meant more there, and I completely take that point. But I meant more from the outside looking in. It's oh, as that, though he hasn't been. You, you don't really see. Well, him it's because he didn't it. take West Ham down, did he? If he'd taken West Ham down, I have absolutely no doubt he wouldn't be the England manager because there'd be five or six big hitters in the national press who would never have forgiven him. It was it was manager of plucky little borough in in the national perspective, who who were nasty to him by giving him the sack. I mean that's that's the kind yeah, of that's that. the kind of vibe I read when I read sort of think pieces on Gareth Southgate over the last six, twelve, eighteen months. Yeah. It's been well, he it was at Middlesbrough and he got he got sacked with with the club just a, a point behind. But that will always be a problem that they, they were sacked with within one result of mm. being in the automatic places. But there's no there's no there's, there was no, no perspective. There's no perspective, and I think I think as I say, you know. Because Borough have always had this slightly patronising treatment from a large section of the national press, as I say, in you know, inverted commas, um, his, his time here isn't really assessed accurately or fairly. I don't think. Just, I mean, just to finish off on the Southgate thing, I don't think um, you know. I mingle with Borough fans and speak with Borough fans, live amongst them, and we speak about this on on a regular basis. And I don't think what Gareth did here as a manager, Taz is written. I live among the mics on the, on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think it has his, his reputation as. I think he's a borough legend. I think he, all, he, he absolutely he will, he will always be classed as a borough legend for what you know uh, for, for the things he did as a player. Um, so you know, I, I don't think there's any any negative thoughts to, towards towards Gareth from borough fan, fans. Uh, fine place to finish. I think best of luck to Gareth and all the lads in in, in Russia. Cheers. Thank you.